Okay, Kim Vandenberg, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, it's been too long. We I wanted to get you on earlier, so I'm glad we're doing it finally. And um, you know, listen, you have an incredible life story. You have an incredible swimming story, and I think it's one that um, is going to be a pleasure to share with everybody. And that's that's what I love about this podcast. I'm just there's so many great people with with everybody's got a great story to share, and yours is certainly one of those. So thanks for doing this today. Yeah, thank you. Now, listen, so. I, I always start with, um, well, first of all, where are you right now? Oh, I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay. You, I live been, in Los Angeles. Living, living there a while now? A year. A year. Okay. How's, yeah. and, and you lived in New York for a long time. How's the, how, what's the difference between New York and Los Angeles? Yeah, I lived in New York for almost eight years. And, you know, for me, it's, it's funny coming back to California since I'm originally from here. You know, everybody's a little bit more lighter, like nicer, like a little bit more into nature. Like when I was in New York, it was just go, go, go. We were always busy. And, and now I think with the quarantine, I'm able to go on hikes. I'm able to you know, get back to nature and just yeah. to have a little bit more of a slower lifestyle. So it's nice coming back, but I miss New York a little bit. Yeah. Well, listen, you were on the international scene for many years. And um, so where did the swimming really start for you? Where did it begin? Yeah. So I, I first started swimming with my brothers, my older brother and my younger brother uh, up in Northern California, where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And we had a really small pool in our backyard. So I just spent all summer long racing my brothers, playing games and my earliest memories in my life just around the pool. You know, my friends would come over, we'd race each other, we'd play sharks and minnows. So I really developed a passion for being in the water at that age. And then I joined my first swim team when I was eight, but I was only swimming during the summer. So I was doing summer league when I was, you know, eight, nine, 10. And it wasn't I, until I was 11 or 12 that I started exploring the idea of going to year round swimming. Yeah. And were you naturally good at it from the get go? I think I was naturally athletic. I mean, I was also playing other sports. I, I played basketball and soccer, track and field, baseball. I was a huge tomboy. I wanted to be just like my brother and, mm. and I was really competitive. So I had that competitive spirit and I loved to race. So, you know, summer league swim meets, I, my favorite part was the, the competition. Yeah. And so when I was about 12, I believe I won like the high point award at a summer league meet. And then one of the year round coaches came over to my dad and asked if I'd be interested to start swimming year round. And so that was a, a really big um, step up from swimming like once a day in the summer to swimming every single day in the morning and afternoon. You know oh, so you is. started doing doubles pretty young? When I was 12. 12. Okay. Yeah. 12, 13. Yeah, right. Was there a time for you where swimming wasn't as fun? Because I can remember around 13, 14, when I started doing doubles the, the, and, and doing year-round swimming, um, you know, in the winter, you're indoors and we had a nice warm pool. And in the summer, there were days where it was absolutely freezing, you know, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I hated swimming. Did you go through periods where you loved it and hated it? Oh, I almost quit when I joined the year-round team because I was so used to swimming in the summer when it was hot in the afternoon. And then yeah. all of a sudden I'm waking up at 4.45 in the morning and jumping in a freezing pool in the middle, middle of winter with, you know, like ice on the pool deck. I hated mm -hmm. it. So I, I told my coach, one of my coaches, I, that it wasn't working out. Like I didn't enjoy the 
cold weather. I was falling asleep in class. You know, my hair was always wet. And he said, well, we have a swim meet in two weeks. You know, can you focus on taking it just day by day and be in the moment, you know, work on your stroke, talk to your friends and practice. And that was really the, one of the first life lessons I remember learning in the sport was to be in the moment, to focus on my stroke, to not worry about the next day, to not worry about the next set. And so I did what he said. And then two weeks later, I go to this swim meet and I, I qualified for junior nationals in the 50 freestyle. So instead of quitting, I quit all the other sports and I used to play piano. So I quit piano and I just focused in all my energy on school and on swimming. Hang on. So at one point you were a 50 freestyler? And hundred, fifty and hundred. I I actually had the national high school record in the hundred free when I was a sophomore. Really? What happened? You don't go up My from there. Made me swim the two hundred free and the two hundred fly, and I was so oh, I did not want to go there. I was like, why would I do that? Why would I go to the two hundreds when I could do a hundred free? And I love the hundred free. So, but I'm I'm thankful, obviously, that they forced me into the two hundred and five hundred freestyle when I was a junior in high school. Um, so yeah, in high school, I was like 50, 100, 200, 500 free. And I did the hundred fly and some 200 IM, but it wasn't until college that I really became a like 200 flyer. So who were your, who were your main influences as a coach in, in high school? Uh, Ronnie and Donnie Hadry, they coach Orinda Aquatics. And so they were my, I was such a handful at that age. They, they did a great job dealing with me, but I was 12 to 18. So I swam with them. Mm. Um, and then when I went to UCLA, it was Cindy Gallagher. And why did you decide UCLA out of all the choices you probably had? Um, I wanted some, I, I loved Cal, you know, but I grew up right next to it. So I grew oh. up in Berkeley, near Berkeley. And so I wanted to be, in a new location, not too far from home. Mm -hmm. I looked at the University of Virginia, looked at, um, Cal looked at University of Arizona, but uh, UCLA, the location was great. An hour flight, you know, from Northern California to LA. And then also uh, Cindy Gallagher. I, I just felt this really nice bond with her. And I felt like she could really understand, understand me and help me get to the next level. And then the girls on the team. I loved the UCLA girls. Two of them actually, swam on my club team so when they would oh. come home from college like I heard stories from UCLA and then when I went on my recruiting trip I already had friends on the team and so um you know walking around campus during my recruiting trip and just seeing all these John Wooden quotes and I just was so inspired by John Wooden and um it was very clear that that was the space and the place for me to develop now, did you have a good um, college experience? Did you, did you, were you successful over those four years? How'd you do? Yeah, I did really well. It was amazing. I loved UCLA. It was, you know, a struggle at first freshman year going from, I wasn't super into weightlifting when I was in high school. So getting yeah. into like three days a week, intense, you know, weightlifting. And then we would go on those, these perimeter runs around UCLA and just, I had never been so exhausted just from the training. And so I remember freshman year, I was like, there's no way I could do this for four years. Like, mm. I don't know how people do this. So <laughs> in my head, I was, I was not even thinking about the Olympics. I was like, get through freshman year, you know? Yeah. 
And um, Greg Meehan was also the assistant coach at the time. Oh, wow. And I remember talking to Greg one day and just like totally breaking down. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I could barely walk to class, you know. And I was really thankful that I had such a supportive team and the older girls were like older sisters and we were all going through that same experience together. So by the end of freshman year, once we started tapering, I went all best times and I got the Pac-10 swimmer of the year, my freshman year. Mm, wow. So when I did that, I was like, okay, I, I could definitely, and I made NCAAs, I made finals at NCAAs. So I realized that if I could get through freshman year and go, go best times and do really well, then for sure I could go the next three years. And so it gave me the confidence I needed to make it to the end. Was and, it a good experience for you being part of just a, a women's only group or do you have regret yeah. not being, you know, swimming? No, I mean, I, I was able to train with men later in my career, you yeah. know, when I started training with uh, Michael Phelps and the club Wolverine team, I trained with them off and on in 2006 to 2008. Mm -hmm. And then I went off to Europe and swam with the international co-ed group in Italy and France. And so I definitely, and then, you know, being on the national team, you're training with men at training camps and stuff. So um, I loved being on an all women's team. I mean, it just felt like a sisterhood. It kind of felt like a sorority, you know, like it's just this, like a swim team full of sisters. Now, who were your main competitors in college? Like who were the women that were swimming your events at the same time? And, you know, who were you competing against around that period? Uh, Dana Kirk and uh, Caitlin Sandino. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Those girls. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a legit Mary Desenza. Mary Desenza and I were always racing uh, NCAAs. She was good too. Yeah. Mary, Dana, and I think we're, we're always, we're the same. I think we were all the same year. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So, so after college, why do you decide to continue? Like why, why swim pro after that? Yeah, I never thought I would. I mean, I always thought I was just going to finish college and I wanted to study abroad. I wanted my fifth year to be in Europe. Hmm. And so when I was starting to finish up my college career, you know, it was 2006 and I had done really well. Um, in 2005, I made my first national B team and got to travel to Turkey for the World University Games. Mm. And then next year was 2006 when I, I think I got second at the NCAAs in the 200 fly and I was getting ready to swim at U.S. Nationals that summer. So that was a really big, like pivotal moment for me because I could have just stopped swimming, studied abroad, you know, moved on with my life. But I was swimming really well. I wanted to try to see if I could make the national team, you know, and, and win nationals. And so um, I had the opportunity, thankfully, to train with, like I said, Club Wolverine, and I was going to altitude training tri trips with them at Colorado Springs, you know, with Bob Bowman, Michael Phelps, and that whole crew, you know, Davis Tarwater, Eric Vent, like uh, Peter Vanderkay, uh, Cleet Keller. So I was mm. able to train with them and uh, come back to UCLA and swim. And I was just getting really, really serious about trying to be the best that I could be to see if I could make it. And I went to US Nationals that summer and I ended up winning the 200 fly and I made the national team and I signed a contract with Speedo and I was training for the world championships. And so that kind of took me to the next level of, okay, I'm on the national team. I'm gonna train for world championships and train for Beijing. Yeah. Nate's come out with another awesome tool for the swimming community. 
It's called Swim Nerd Live, and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart TV, phone, or other device. It has all the information you're looking for, event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more. Well, uh, I do want to talk about your Olympic experiences because you've, you've, this is an Olympic year, you know, and you've had multiple, you, you've been to five Olympic trials and had various levels of success and disappointments, yeah. you know, so I do, I do want to go into that. But you did mention someone's name there. You mentioned Cleet Keller and a former yeah. teammate of yours. What's that been like for you to watch that from a distance? Yeah, it's really disappointing. It's really sad. I mean, it's not something you want to see your teammate experience and I don't understand it. Um, I don't understand what he was thinking it just it for me it breaks my heart I mean I went to his wedding and I'm friends with his sister and um yeah I hope he's healing I hope he's experiencing I don't know different different ways to process what happened but it's it's for me it's sad to to see how about you have you had a chance to talk to Cleet or find out how he's doing from anyone I haven't I haven't I haven't and I'd like to um I'm not sure. Maybe I could reach out to some friends, but yeah. I've only read what I've, what I see in the news. Yeah. I, I'm the same. How, how do you feel about it? I don't know, Cleet. You know, for, I, I was always on the other side. I was on the Australian team. He was on the U S team. So I know him from, you know, getting on the same bus as him or being at the same warm up pool or watching him compete, you know, or, or, yeah. or, or chatting with him in a, in a dining hall or something like that, you know? So, you know, just brushing by him, but didn't really have any experiences with Cleet. But yeah, I'm sure um, if that was one of my Australian teammates, you know, I'd be, I'd be pretty devastated too, you know, cause um look, I don't know how he got caught up in all that stuff and I don't know how it's going to end up, but it's certainly not a good look and it's not something, it's not, it's not a group of people you really want to be caught up with. I wouldn't think, but um, you know, it's sad. So, and, and I hope um, for his sake, look, I I don't know how they're going to prosecute it, you know, who knows, but um, certainly, certainly not a good look. And, and I just can't, for my, for my, for the life of me, I can't understand why he decided to wear his Olympic uniform. To me, I'm like, what are you, yeah. Like, first of all, what are you doing there in the first place? And then second of all, why did you wear your Olympic uniform? I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. I don't yeah, I think for me it's like confusion. Like everyone yeah. confused and and disappointed. Yeah. Anyway, so let's get off him for a second. So in terms of your Olympic trials experience at least, it started for you in two thousand at a very young age, right? Yeah, I was sixteen years old at my first Olympic trials. Yeah, I was terrified. And and you were you were there for what event? Seven. I, I made the team. I'm not, I didn't make the team. I made, I made the cut in seven events. Oh, so. seven events. Wow. So you're really yeah. just going there for the experience. Yeah. I, I was swimming. I actually used to swim IM. So I did 200 IM, 400 IM, 100 fly, 200 fly, 50, 100, and 200 free. Oh, wow. That is a program right there. That's like a... Yeah. It's bigger than a Phelps program. You swim, you put the 50 in there. So. But the 100 fly was my best performance at that at that trials. I think I got 18th place. So I just missed the semifinals. And I remember thinking at the time, like, Oh, maybe next time I'll be a semifinalist. <laughs> like that but, was like in my head. But, but, I, but you were just walking around starry eyed, I guess. Oh yeah. I remember just like staring at like, you know, Christy Kowal, Misty Hyman. Like I, and I told them this, like, I love the 
Isties, Christy and Misty. Um, <laughs> they're amazing. And I remember watching them make the team and just wanting to be exactly like them. And I remember watching Aaron Pearsall make the team and, um, yeah, it was fun. It was scary. I mean, I remember I was so nervous, you know, on the blocks, I was kind of shaking. And when I swam, I was focused on everyone else. And, yeah. um, my races were all over the place and none of them were, I mean, the hundred fly was decent. Right. But, um, it was a learning, a, a huge learning experience coming back and talking to my coaches about what happened mentally, what I was thinking about. And I realized that was another life lesson, you know, don't compare yourself to other people. Like you have no control of what other people are doing. You, I lost my focus on my own race plan. And so the next time I went to trials, I that was what I was focusing on was my own race plan. Well, it's pretty amazing. This evolution you have at 16, you have, you know, the seven race experience as, as a young kid, and then you go all the way through to, to 16 as, as a grown woman, you know, so let's go through them one by one. So 2004 is the next one. Yeah. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah. So then by the time 2004 rolls around, I think I was a sophomore at UCLA. So I explained my freshman year and how that was really painful, but I got through it. So I had more confidence coming into my second trials. I knew what to expect. Um, I'd been racing all these girls in at NCAAs. Like I had it more of a sense of, um, how to manage that pressure. And so I was like, okay, one race at a time. And I swam my 200 fly, uh, prelims. And then I did really well and I made semifinals. And so I was super stoked to make semifinals, go to semifinals. And I actually won my semifinal heat. So I was like, wow, I'm obviously in fourth and I was going into the final heat. So I was just over the moon to be going into finals. And I ended up racing right next to Misty Hyman, Mm. who I said earlier is is one of my role models. And I just adore her. And I, and she was the American record holder at the time. And she was the gold medalist from the 2000 Olympic games. So I I couldn't have been racing anyone better, you know, than Misty. And I was right next to her, but I was trying not to freak out. Because I was, you know, in the ready yeah. room and it, the NBC was there with the cameras in Misty's face, which was like right next to my face. And so I was just kind of overwhelmed with, you know, 15,000 people in the stands racing Misty Hyman, the American record holder, trying to qualify for the Olympic Games. But I knew how to how to race my own race. I wanted to breathe every other. I wanted to do six kicks off the wall. Um, so in the race. The first three laps, I was just totally in my own zone. And then coming off that last wall, I was just so curious where other people were, right? I was like, okay, we're, this is the last lap of the two fly. Like, I want to know where people are. And I started in my streamline and I was like kind of looking around. <laughs> and I regret that now because once I started looking around to like see where other people are, I, I switched my focus to from myself to others. And I think I took a breath off the last wall. I started breathing erratically and it's like slipping in my stroke. And Mm. like that last 50 in a two fly is never fun. It's not like joyful, but it was um, really painful. And I just felt like I was slipping behind and I ended up missing the team. I got fifth place, but that's really a turning point for me because I realized how close I was to being an Olympian. You know, like half the heat was, was already, that, like it was um, Dana Kirk and like Caitlin Sandino, Misty Hyman. Um, there were all these women that I was racing against that made the Olympic team that were American record holders. So if I could hold my own against these girls, these women, then maybe in 2008, I could become an Olympian myself. 
It's amazing that that desire, especially once you get that close to something like that, that, yeah. that desire to want to be an Olympian just starts to burn so heavy yeah. in certain people, for sure. Like I, I got close in 96. I remember sitting there watching the Olympics and just like, I want to be there at all mm-hmm. costs. And knowing that you have to wait another four years, which is just terrible. It's like, yeah, but it, it gives you time to prepare. And, and I, I said to myself, next time this comes around, I am going to be ready. Like, yeah. I'm going to be ready. You have the same mentality? Yeah, I definitely did. I mean, right after that, um, they still had the U.S. Nationals that summer in 2004, and it was like two, three weeks later. Um, so I just kept training to go to U.S. Nationals, and, and that's actually when I won my first U.S. Nationals. But in my head, I was like, well, that doesn't count because the two fastest girl women are you know at the olympics but i got my national title in 2004 in the two fly and then i qualified the next year for world world university games and then world championships you know pan pacific championships so i was like going step by step for every international team until i made the olympic team in 2008 so talk to us about that experience in 2008 you're you've got two um you know, trials under your belt. You've had yeah. a little bit of disappointment, but some success as well. So now this is the, this is the time where it's like make or break, right? Right. Yeah. And at that point I was super just dedicated. Everything in my life was about being the best swimmer I could be. So when I came back from 2004, Cindy and I sat down and we we're like, okay, what can we change in your lifestyle, you know, to help you be the best athlete? I was like, getting more sleep, you know, changing my sleeping. Uh, I started working with a sports psychologist about Mm. how to deal with pressure, what I'm thinking about during a race. I started um, working, yeah, working with the nutritionist, the sports psychologist. I started Pilates program on top of my weights, on top of cardio, on top of swimming, um, and just upping the self-care routine, you know, like hot Epsom salt baths, like stretching, drinking water, like making sure that I just was super rested and prepared for morning practice and so once I started incorporating all these things I kind of instantly felt faster in practice because I was sleeping more eating healthy um stretching and working with my sports psychologist and so I was able to perform better in practice which inevitably I was performing faster at all the meets so then I was invited to train with the club Wolverine and I was doing these altitude training camps so my fifth, my hundred and my 200 free actually were getting a lot faster. My 200 fly was fast already. My hundred fly was decent, but uh, my 200 free started getting faster and faster and faster. Every single competition that we had leading into the Olympic trials. And Cindy and I were talking about the format of the Olympic trials, you know, semifinals, semifinals of the 200 fly were the same night of the finals of the 200 free. So if I made, you know, semi, if I made semifinals and then finals of every of the two hundreds and the hundreds, I was going to be having like back to back to back races. And sure enough, you know, I made the finals of the two and free and I made semifinals of two and fly. And those races were just right after each other. Oh, so man. I had 200 free first. And then like 15 minutes later, I had 200 fly semifinals. Ooh. So it was a pretty heavy double just mentally to prepare for you know like knowing I wanted to make the team in the two free and the two fly um and so that's where the experience of 
focusing on being in the moment, being in this race right now, and then going into the next race. Um, so I qualified for the Olympic team, the two free for the relay. And then the semifinal of the two fly was next. And I did really well. I, I made finals. And then the next morning I raced the hundred free in prelims Ooh. and I was really sore for, yeah. from the night before. And, and I raced, I probably shouldn't have raced that race. Cause it, it, maybe that's why, I mean, who knows, but I went to the two hundred fly that night and I was feeling off. Um, but I wanted to just stay in my lane, stay in my focus. And I was the top seed at the time in the two fly, um, coming off a silver medal at the world championships in Australia. Mm. So I was, you know, that's what I was training for. I was training to make the team in the two fly and I had already made the team in the two free for the relay. And then I raced the 200 fly that night and I ended up getting third place and, and I missed the team by one spot. And it was just such a roller coaster of the night before 24 hours before I was on you know cloud nine i made my first olympic team and and then the next night i crushed my i was just crushed that i missed it in my favorite event so, you, you um, ended up getting first and second in that in the in the that year because i got third the next year i think that year it was um oh my gosh i'm terrible who beat me i forget um kathleen hersey for sure all oh, right kathleen that's right from texas and then, um and then oh elaine breeden Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they, they beat me, but they were so sweet because we were like all getting, you know, um, drug tested and I was crying. I was really upset. And they're like, Kim, we're like teammates. We're going to Beijing. Like we're <laughs> on the team. I'm like, I know, but I wanted to swim the 200 fly. And it was just, <laughs> I mean, I was still going to the Olympics. So when yeah. I talked to Cindy, I, she was like, you could be sad about this, but now we're just going to focus on being like the best freestyle swimmer for the next two months. That makes sense. And you, you were talking earlier about kind of checking all the boxes of becoming a professional athlete. It's funny to me, you know, I, uh, you see everybody's progression and once they make that realization that there is another level on top of what you're already doing, because I think as a college athlete, you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm training hard. I'm, I'm doing everything I could possibly do, but it's not yeah. until you leave college and you become an individual again and you realize it's all on you Yeah. that you realize there are little things that you could be doing even better than what you yeah. were doing in college. And once you start checking those boxes, then your swimming goes to a whole nother level again. Yeah. hundred percent for sure. Yeah. That, that's what I experienced. So in terms of, um, you know, getting to the Olympics and having an Olympic experience and then, and then actually finally getting on the podium at the Olympics. Uh, that must've been a pretty cool experience too, right? Yeah. Well, I was only in the prelims and so I swam the prelims. And so when we, when we won the bronze medal, I wasn't able to go on the podium um, cause I was swimming in the morning session. So that was disappointing. I, I wish I could have experienced that cause we do have a bronze medal as a team. Um, it was a bit hard. It was a bit emotional not racing the two fly there. It was really hard to watch that race, you know, was in it? the stands. Um, and I wanted to be racing the two fly, which is why I kept swimming, which is why I kept going for 2012 with the idea that I was only going to focus on two fly. I wasn't going to stress too much about the relays for free. Mm. And so that at that point in time, you decide to make a move overseas. Is that right? Yeah. So because I always wanted to study abroad when I was in college, um, after the Beijing games, I was invited to go train in Europe. And so I, I started in Italy and then I ended up in France and I spent a couple years there uh, training with the French team. 
That's uh, that, that's an awesome experience. Was it tough to support yourself during that time? I mean, yeah, yes and no. I mean, we were racing all the time. We we had swim meets in Italy. We had swim meets in France. We had swim meets. I was traveling a ton. You know, going to Sweden, going to Russia, going to Brazil. I was racing um, almost. I would say almost every weekend, but it probably wasn't that much. So it was just busy. It was like travel. I was jet lagged all the time. My family was like, what country are you in? Like, where are you? I'm like, Oh, I'm in, I'm in Russia. You know, I'm going to go to Brazil next. And I was just always jet lagged, but it was really a special time because I was doing what I loved. I was traveling the world. I was learning French. I was able to kind of bring all my passions together. So I was opening my mind to new ways of living, new ways of training. And that's truly why I went to Europe was to have a life experience. You know, I I had certain coaches in the U.S. talk to me like, why are you in Europe? Like the U.S. is the best place to train. And I was like, I want to have a life experience outside of the U.S. because I'm able to. And, you know, um, um, I'm also Dutch like my father was born in Amsterdam and so I became really close with the Dutch girls um Inga Decker and mm. uh, Femke Hemsker like those girls became like sisters when I was training with them in Marseille and um at one point they were like joking that I should change my nationality to the race with the Dutch girls and be on the oh, wow. uh, their relay which would have been super fun but I don't know I decided <laughs> I grew up in California and I'm a California girl yeah but i mean that that that's the beauty of our sport it's truly an uh an international worldwide sport i mean you can do it anywhere and yeah. I, I don't think people realize the amount of money you can actually make if you do dedicate yourself to traveling like yeah. yourself or you know i think a katinka is a great example of that or yeah. you know there's money to be made out there if you dedicate yourself to you know putting that much hours into traveling the world you yeah. can certainly make a living from it yeah, I love Sarah. Sarah's yeah. great. Yeah, it's so, so I disappointing. A, I know you had a um, podcast with Sarah. I did race her in Sweden, and um, yeah, she's a special one. She's tough. She'll come back. She'll be fine. But um, yeah, but it, it's uh, I did I did something similar, so I can I can uh, attest to how great that experience is of traveling the world, and meeting people, and I didn't get to pick up a language like you. I wish I had have done that, but that's pretty awesome that you know you picked yeah. up some French as well along the way. Yeah. Yeah, I have really fond memories of being in France, but I, I was, it was it was a really nice homecoming in 2011 when I came back to Berkeley and I was able to train with Natalie and Terry and have that experience of being supported by my family and friends because that's where I grew up. And so that's where I was leading into London 2012. We all wonder what um, people are doing, you know, you, you've mentioned a couple of coaches. Now you, you mentioned, um, Bob at club Wolverine and, um, was it, was a band check there as well at the time? Yeah. Irby. Yeah. yeah Irby, so, you know, and then you've mentioned Terry, you mentioned, uh, Roman Barnier, um, Cindy Gallagher, you know, like all these different coaches, but sw- swimming's really swimming, isn't it? There's not, there's not anybody doing anything that different. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to swim up and down the pool, right? Yeah. I mean, that. Yeah, sure. I mean, swimming, swimming, but like the relationships that you have with your coaches, yes. they change, they're different. It, sure. it depends where you are in your life. It depends how you connect with the coach. And um, I feel really blessed that I had the opportunity to train literally with the best in the world, you know, yeah. Bob Bowman and Terry McKeever and, you know, Cindy and uh, Romy and 
um, Irby, you know, yeah. every, everyone. So I learned so much from, and Greg Meehan, like I, I, and Dave Durden at Cal, like when Terry and the girls were gone, um, we would sometimes train with Dave and mm. I just was really lucky. I feel really lucky that I had that experience to learn from the best and to be inspired and to, um, just grow as an athlete. Well, 2012 wasn't your last experience. So talk to me about that one. That was a huge heartbreak. I mean, I had literally traveled the world. Like we talked about, I had made the Olympic team. I had a, I have a medal from the 2008 Beijing game. So I was just really focused on making the team in the two fly for London, you know, so I was training, I was swimming quite fast leading into 2012. I got a bronze, no, I got a gold medal at the Pan American games in 2011 um, in the 200 fly and in the four by 200 uh, freestyle. So I was swimming really well. I was training with Terry McKeever, you know, first female head coach of an Olympic team. I was training with Natalie Coughlin, like the best of the best. So I go to trials for my fourth time and I had a great prelim swim. It was actually like the easiest 200 fly. It, it was super solid swim, made semis obviously. And then I was actually seated first at that time in the semis. And then my semis was, it was okay. It wasn't the best race, but uh, I qualified for finals. I think I was probably seated fourth or fifth or maybe fourth, but I go into finals and I have my lane. It was like going back from four years earlier and I, I focused on my own race. And then I touched the wall and I got third again. Oh wow! And so I was like, are you kidding me? Like I got <laughs> third in that race in 2008 and I got third in 2012. And so I just went underwater and started swearing profanities and then popped up and, you know, I congratulated the girls and, but I didn't make the team in the relay. Right. And so I became the first alternate. And so I had to sign paperwork and I didn't want to, I didn't want to stop swimming at that point. Cause I was like, this is a terrible way to end. Like, I just, I want to heal through this and, um, explore what's next. And so I went to the U S open like a couple of weeks later, just to have another race, you know, just to kind of keep moving forward. Um, but I did realize that I wanted more than just swimming at that time. And so I moved to New York in 2012 and I trained at the New York athletic club. And I was going back to Europe and swimming and swim meets in Sweden and Italy. And I was going back and forth from New York to Europe. Um, and then I went to like U.S. Nationals, short course. And I just trained uh, pretty much by myself and or maybe with some friends um, while I started working. And so then right. I started interning as, uh, with a photographer. And then I started writing. And then I started just kind of trying to create balance between work and swim. It sounds like there was pressure being put on you for, uh, for Olympic trials, you know, at some, some points or another, I mean, even when you're 16, you know, you're surrounded by all these superstars, but as you go through your Olympic trial experience, were you just putting pressure on yourself to, to make this team in this event? Was it, was it just a huge amount of pressure? Well, I think, you know, after when I was 16, I was like not expecting the make. Yeah, team, sure. You know? But the, and then the second time, when I made the finals, I was like, wow, I could make the team. And then right. I was feeling the pressure. I missed the team then. And in 2008, I knew I could make the team. I, I have, I was top seated in the event. I was, yeah. you know, set at one point second in the world in the two fly. So I knew like I was training to medal in the 200 fly. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a lot of confidence and experience. And so when I missed it by one spot, you know, and made it in the two 
free, I was like, well, I, I could do it. I could do it my fourth time. So then my fourth time when I missed it, got third, that's when I was like, that's a huge disappointment. You know, I want to make it all right. I want to, it's not that I wanted to make it again. I did, but I also just wanted to go back in 2016 to have perspective right. of my career. And that's kind of where it shifted. Like when I realized, you know, like right after I missed the team, I was beating myself up, like, Oh, I got third place. And then I was talking to people in New York who know nothing about swimming. And they were like, wait, you got third place at the Olympic trials, like in the country, like you're third in the country, like, and you think that's a bad thing. And I was like, well, because I missed a team, you know, I was in top two and, and they kind of laughed at me. They're like, but you're already an Olympian and you already have a medal. Like that you're a really, so I realized that I was so blessed and lucky to have the experience that I was able to have the support and the opportunity to train with the best and to go to trials that many times. Was your identity wrapped up in the two fly a little bit? Like, was that your baby? Did you feel different when you swam yeah. that race? I mean, yes, because I won nationals in that event multiple times. Right. I had international medals in that event, yep. you know, at the Pan American games, I had, you know, gold medal, I had silver medal, like I had medals internationally. I was winning the two fly, um, at most of the meets I would swim in. So that was kind of, it was for sure my favorite race. I think the 200 fly is better than the two and three. 200 free is so painful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't do either one of them, so I don't, I can't, I can't. Yeah. 200 free. I almost, I, I remember dying in the two free at the Santa Clara meet once. And I went to Cindy. I'm like, I'm never swimming that event again. Like, I hate that event. She's like, you're a 200 freestyler. I'm like, no, I'm not. And I just like kept fighting her. Of course she was right. I was, you know, 200 freestyler in the relay. So in 2016, you told me you had an experience where, you know, you're an older woman. Now you've had, this is your fifth time going to the Olympic trials. And then you're seeing all these kids like when, when you were, you know, uh, a 16 year old back in 2000, right? Yeah. So, um, at that point I made the team, not the team, I made the cut in the hundred fly. Mm -hmm. So I went back to trials in the hundred fly and I was in the ready room before prelims. And I was like sitting next, to, I was 32 at the time, uh, right now I'm 37. And I was 32. It was my fifth Olympic trials. You know, I was working like full time and, and swimming when I could. And um, I'm sitting next to the 16 year old who was really nervous. And she kept saying like to herself, like, I'm nervous. I'm so nervous, you know? And then by the third time she said it, I started talking to her. I'm like, just breathe, like enjoy the moment. Like she was just getting the jitters and like, she was, that's how I felt when I was 16. So it was yeah. kind of like a beautiful moment to walk out and just to race and to just be full circle and, and see my friends make the team, see my friends miss the team, you know, be able to talk to them when they did miss the team. Cause I missed it four years earlier and eight years earlier, you know, so it was just really, um, I had a, a shift in perspective where I was so lucky to see friends from my childhood to see coaches that I worked with to, to yeah. be able to watch people make the team for the first time and to be able to um just be there and so now having this kind of mentorship experiences has led you into you know a new part of your life as well where you where you do this as as a full-time job pretty much I mean you do mentorship for rise you yeah do, you do, do fitter and faster um, swim clinics for us around the country and you, and you mentor young kids and, uh, yeah. and you're so damn good at it too. 
Thank you. Yeah, I love it. I love mentoring. So with Rise, you know, Caroline Burkle and Rebecca Sony, they yep. started Rise. And I have a handful of clients that we do 30 minute Zoom sessions and we talk about strategies for them to raise or if they're dealing with an injury or if they're dealing with teammate drama or mm -hmm. whatever's going on in their life. It's just a beautiful opportunity to support other people. And that's actually a, a big reason um, I went back to school. And so I'm currently getting my master's degree in psychology and I'm, I'm focusing on developmental psychology. And I think it's just really important to talk about mental health, especially in the sports industry and in the sports world. And um, you know, my life's mission is just to support other people, especially younger athletes. Did you have some experiences yourself where you felt depression after those, you know, highs and, and some of those lows? Did you go through some of that? Definitely. I think almost every Olympian does at some point. It's like the post-Olympic blues. Yeah. And I didn't even know that that was a thing until after the Olympics. And then someone, I was talking to someone about it because I just felt, even though I was still swimming, um, you know, it's such a come down, like coming back from the Olympics. Yeah. And then I also moved to Europe and I was living abroad and like left my whole support system, you know, yeah. left the team, my coaches, my friends. So I was going through a huge transition and, um, I felt a little bit of a shift, but I also developed a lot of anxiety. And so I was suffering from anxiety and a little bit of depression. And so I think being able to talk about that and learn tools to deal with it and to manage that is really important. And especially when you're younger, just to have that self-awareness to what you're feeling and to be able to express it in a really healthy way is, is really key. Now, when you, more than ever right now with the way the world is. Yeah. Yeah. And well, it's good that a lot of people are talking about it. And then there's programs like yours and, and people like you that are there to um, lend support, you know, yeah. and, and it's fantastic. So when you look back on your swimming career, you know, how do you evaluate it for yourself personally? Oh, I'm so proud of my career. I mean, I have a bronze medal from the Beijing games. I have medals from world championships, Pan American games, nationals, French nationals. I actually won uh, French, French nationals at one point. So that was cool. Um, I've traveled the world. I've met incredible people like yourself, and I've just been able to give back to the next generation. You know, that's where I'm dedicating all my time is, is helping the next generation, uh, coaching them and swimming and yoga and mentoring them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel the same way. I love the fact that we can give back now to the sport that we love yeah. so much, you know, and just even me just sharing your story right now is, is giving back, which I, really happy i'm able to do that now is there any what's beyond this and what do you want to do with your your degree once you get it well so i it's a two-year program and so i just started in september so i'm only in my second semester mm -hmm. um i would like to apply to get my um phd i want oh, wow. to get my phd and just try to learn as much as i can about developmental psychology and I love writing. I, you know, I could envision myself writing books and giving lectures and having a private um, practice um, on top of mentoring and teaching and doing what I'm doing now, because I, I love the work I do. It's, I love people and I love uh, healing, helping them heal through movement, you know, with yoga. Um, I think it's really important to tune into the body and to have that self-awareness. I love it. Yeah, you should start writing your own story. You got an incredible story. So put pen to paper on that one. I know I thought about writing a book. Yeah. So I kind of played around with um, the ideas. Um, I'm thinking like notes to my younger self 
is uh, yes. like around that theme and um, tie in a lot of what we talked about and the lessons that I learned through all the coaches and the amazing athletes that I was able to train with. Yeah, fantastic. Now, uh, last question. Just tell me, what's it like being on a U.S. team? Does it feel you feel pretty invincible when you put that that USA, you know, sweatsuit on? Uh, I mean, that's the way it looks to us from the outside. You guys look pretty invincible. Oh, uh, we were joking in 2008 that we were Team Michael Phelps because it was like <laughs> because everyone was and obviously he won eight gold medals at the Beijing Games and it was just so funny because everywhere we went, everyone was obsessed with Phelps. Um, so we joked, we were like, go team Michael Phelps. <laughs> yeah, um, I loved being at the world championships in 2007 and watching all of like almost all of my teammates just dominating, you know, they were getting world records and yeah. gold medals. And, and so I couldn't wait to race. Like I, my race wasn't until I think the middle of the week, but you know, watching Natalie break the world record in the hundred back. And then like Phelps was winning, Lochte was winning, like everyone was just totally killing it. And so by the time it was my 200 fly, like I couldn't rate, couldn't wait to um, try to win. You know, I got, a, I got silver against Jessica Shipper, who was the world record oh, yes. holder. And that was um, one of my favorite races, but I loved racing the Australians and like Stephanie Rice and Bronte Barrett and all those girls. Um, I became friends with them and, and I love, I love the Australian girls. So tell um, me this then favorite place you've traveled to. Honestly, I love Australia, Brett. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. I would say Australia and Sweden. I almost trained in Sweden. Really? Um, I love, I love Stockholm. Yeah, but just m maybe not in the winter. Maybe the summer. But... I, no, I even loved it in the winter when we went to World, the World Cup, and we were there in the winter, and it was dark. All I, I fell in love with Sweden. I mean, it's so clean. Everyone recycles. What's your favorite food? Um. Italian and French. I like French food and Italian food. Oh yeah, Italian all day. What is French food? Um snails. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> like duck, like really yummy duck. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Really good cheese. How are you with your your French language? Are you pretty fluent? Oh je crois j'ai oublié mon français. I never really speak French. I feel like I have forgotten it, but I understand. Like when yeah. I am um, with French people, I can understand that. So I love it. Well, listen, I appreciate your time. Thanks for sharing your story today. And um, it's good to see you again. And hopefully we'll jump on a clinic together pretty soon. Yeah, right? good to see you too. But thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Kim. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.